Oh, I can share my screen now. Yes, they did rebuild Skype again. Those sons of bitches. I know, and then call recorder needed up. Oh, hello. <laughs> the talk just came into the studio. <laughs> yeah. Does it have its own access card, one of those swipe things? Well, <laughs> she, let's just put it this way. She, uh, <laughs> if she decides that she's going to come in and listen to the podcast as being created, she's going to come in as the podcast is going to be created. So there's nothing we can do. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and GeoCities, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Captain Jean-Luc Picard boldly goes where he's actually gone before. Patrick Stewart reprises his role in Star Trek, and the Nerdosphere drops a photon torpedo. 30 years ago today, the Nakatomi Plaza was attacked by terrorists. Plus, the big show is appearing on your local TV morning show. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Uh, yeah, they, they, they really did a number on the whole Skype thing, didn't they? I'm looking at this right here. Yeah, they did. Oh, now you just sent me something on Skype. What did oh, you did, I, is that, did that go to you? I said, I, I clicked snapshot. Okay. Yeah, here we go. I got it now. Oh, there's a heart. I can, I can give you a reaction. Oh, I'm looking rather <laughs> concerned. Yeah. Oh, toys. Oh, yes. Oh, can we talk about toys for a little bit? I've got lots of toys to talk about. Sure. What do you want to talk about? Well, I, I want to talk about what you're going to be doing over the next week, because I think this is absolutely fascinating. I don't think there's a better guy in Canada that should be doing it. And uh, I love the fact that you're turning into a shill for the show uh, from coast to coast. <laughs> this is fantastic. By the time anybody listens to this, I will be almost halfway through my national media tour uh, as the Geeks and Beats tech expert, which is really kind of weird in and to itself. We, of course, do these back-to-school gift guides and the holiday ones and stuff like that. And so I managed to get involved with a company that said, let's send you across the country talking about the gadgets and your gift guide. So explain to me exactly what you're going to be doing. Where do you start? Where do you end up? And what will you be uh, advising people to either buy or not buy? Okay. We begin with a flight from Pearson International Airport to Edmonton, Alberta. From there, after a morning show stint on Global Edmonton, we fly to Saskatoon. We do a series of, of morning show appearances on stations there as well. A couple during the day too. Hopscotch all the way off to Halifax for the morning shows there. From Saskatoon? From Saskatoon. And then we're going to bounce back to Ottawa, Ottawa back to Toronto, with uh, the fine people in Hamilton, Ontario, and Kitchener, Ontario as well. Wow. So that's quite a few aeroplane points if you're in fact going by Air Canada. I'm not paying for the flight. That's the beauty. Yeah, I, I listen, I, I understand. The only problem is, is that I have to lug a 38-inch LG ultra-wide high-definition level 10 rated computer monitor. Oh, my God. Okay. And they, they had told me it was going to be in a Pelican case with wheels. It is not. <laughs> it is in, it, it looks like I went to Best Buy before I showed up for my flight. 
and now I've got to haul this consumer-grade box all across the country. I will be very impressed if I don't manage to lose this thing in transit. Well, not just lose it, but damage it. Uh, you're not going to be able to carry that on board with you, so that's going to have to go in the hold. Exactly. And if it comes out of the hold in more than one piece, well, there's not much I can do about it. But they also gave me, and this is really awesome too, uh, Professor Maxwell's 4D chemistry set. What's that? It's an augmented reality chemistry set. Now, as a child of the 70s, I was the last generation to risk burning down the house with a real chemistry set. Oh, I had one, too. In fact, I had one in the lab. I called my lab in the basement. Oh, my God. Are we the same person? I had in the unfinished basement in the bathroom, which nobody used because it was disgusting, my chemistry lab, complete with a table of elements on the wall behind me. And I literally almost burned down the house one day. Oh, I learned how to make my own sulfuric acid with... uh, and I, I, I burned my, my skin with per, uh, potassium permanganate. Uh, I would go to the, the, uh, the, the pharmacy uptown, and he would give me copper sulfate to do any variety of things. And I would have my Bunsen burner, or I guess I would have my alcohol burner, which I, of course, also bought methyl hydrate for from the pharmacy. Oh, yeah. Go and- to a pharmacy and ask for 99% pure alcohol at the age of 11 and watch the reaction from the pharmacist. Oh, today? But back then... Then it was it was a guy by the name of Jack Boyd at Boyd's uh, Boyd's Drugstore where I grew up, and you know every couple of weeks I'd come in and I'd ask for some you know basic chemical, and he'd have no problem you know spooning it into a bag or pouring it into a bottle and sending me off on my way. I had the nickname in grade eight of Suzuki. All the cool kids thought it was a real insult to name the nerd who was into chemistry Suzuki. Uh, of course, I thought of it as a real compliment. They didn't realize how much of a compliment that was to call me David Suzuki. I managed to interview the man like 35, 40 years later. And uh, I actually told him in the commercial break about the fact that the, 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 the cool kids thought it was an insult, but us nerds thought it was actually quite a compliment to be named after him. Absolutely. Uh, they called me they called me Einstein, which had absolutely no bearing on the fact that I was doing chemistry. Where are they? I think they're talking about us. No way. I would my parents and I would uh, and my sister would go across the border into North Dakota. And there was a lab supply store in either Grand Forks or Fargo, North Dakota, and I could get pipettes and test tubes, oh. Erlenmeyer flasks, yep. uh, beakers, you know, all this sort of stuff that was like actual chemistry grade. And I would, you know, uh, I would cut my own uh, uh, glass tubing. Yes, I did that too. And it, would you create a, uh, like a cooling condenser with it by running it over You know what I'm talking about. Yes, and that's how I almost burned down the house because I had used as the liquid that would go through the tubing well, because I'm an idiot, alcohol. Right. And at one point, it had dripped down onto the Bunsen burner and then just managed to work its way up the tubing until I had this almost like a natural gas flare-out tower kind of thing from the movie Blade Runner at the beginning. Right. And I had to decide whether or not I was going to panic. And it was because I decided not to panic that I believe I didn't, in fact, burn down my house. And it was really great to see... 
literally a generation later, my daughter come home from school one day to find a pipe had burst, and I, over FaceTime, had talked her through how to turn off the water in the house to prevent further damage, and she kept her cool, crystal cold the entire time until it was okay and everything was passed and it was time to relax and that's when she burst out in a stress cry and it was like a flashback to me at the exact same age of 11. There were a lot of things that happened on my lab table in the basement that I never told my parents because I'm sure I either A, nearly burned down the house, yeah. B, poisoned myself, or C, created some something that would have caused some severe physical damage to me or the property and I keep thinking about it the the Jack Boyd would not sell me anything. Um, he wouldn't sell me any 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 acid that was any stronger than you know the kind of stuff that you would get in the in the chemistry set. But I found a chemistry book and I figured out how to make my own hydrochloric and sulfuric acid. So I was always trying to see if I could make the acid so strong that it could eat through my table. <laughs> and I'm I'm twelve. I'm thirteen years old. And I would have dinner and go down to, where are you going? I'm going down to the lab. And Okay, fine, have a good time. But if they knew what I was doing down there with this over-the-counter stuff that you bought from the toy department at Eaton's or Sears, out of the catalog, with the stuff that Jack Boyd would happily sell me with money from my Star Weekly paper route, uh, it, it's, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. My grade eight teacher, Mr. Peter Gain, Big, macho teacher. He was the guy who had the conversion van. <laughs> okay. This is Merton Grundy. He was only small change at the bank, but recently he started to change his image. He got the newest design in vans, a Ford Econoline, which he did his own thing with. A wild and woolly paint job, and he customized Ford's spacious front room, especially for his special friends. Get a Ford and do your own thing. At your local Ford dealer, he has what California drives. Yeah, he was the guy who coached all of the teams. Mm. And I never made any of the teams, never even tried out for any of the teams. But he was my grade eight teacher. And because I was the only kid who had an interest in science in his whole class, I got to sit in the back of the class and prepare all of the experiments for later in the day, which, of course, got me the nickname. But the beauty of this Professor Maxwell's 4D chemistry set is that as you're working on some of the experiments, and it's like it meant for kids ages like eight and up, is you, you, you slide your cell phone into the goggles and the camera activates and it becomes augmented reality so you don't have to worry about burning your, your place to the ground so we got that we've got a steel series which does video gaming components they've got like really cool mice and joysticks and stuff like that they also have a headset where that has the microphone that comes out so that you can make fun of the guy you just killed on the internet <laughs> Okay. Uh, and it's got an awesome pair of, uh, they're calling high-resolution audio headphones. And the, the crazy thing about it is how incredibly light they are. And I guess the idea is if you're going to spend eight straight hours sitting in your basement playing video games, you're going to want it to be comfortable. And uh, so, as a matter of fact, I think what we'll do is we'll give it away on the show at some point. All right. When you get back from your, your tour, exactly. give away those headphones? Okay. That's a good idea. So, yeah, so maybe what we'll do is just in a desperate attempt to weasel more attention out of this media tour I'm doing, if you go to the Geeks and Beats Twitter account, retweet anything that I'm tweeting about the back to school gift guide, and uh, we'll 
pull the, the name out of the list of those who uh, help us out by retweeting. Well, the goal here is to make you some kind of influencer on the level of uh, a Kardashian. <laughs> yes, exactly. A tech Kardashian. Kids of all ages will soon be heading back to class. And joining us this morning with a look at some of the must-have tech items for both students and parents is tech expert Michael Hainsworth. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Thanks for coming in today. I, I would not be the Geeks and Beats podcast if we didn't start with headphones. Now, I know two things about you, Mike. One, that you're an old-time radio guy. And two, you love playing Call of Duty. Try these headphones on. They're incredibly light. They are DTS surround sound with a microphone, so you can talk smack to the kid you just kicked the butt on on the <laughs> internet playing the games and uh, it's uh, all rechargeable i never ran out of battery life on this thing the entire time we were playing it and you can have these yeah, they're very light and they're very comfortable really and because it's surround sound high resolution audio you'd think that they'd be super heavy but they're not so while you're doing that of course we've got the screen too have you ever seen something this big that is so big and so curved it's really got a nice flow to it they curve it so that you see the pixels directly head on as you turn your head back and forth the beauty of this lg ultra wide 38 inch screen is that it's great for the design professional student or someone in film school but of course regular students too you split the screen one side you've got the research the other side you've got the essay and so you can work on it that way and when you kick back in the dorm at the end of the day it's perfect for Netflix is this is this common for a monitor to have the curve we've seen it on TVs for right. a long time when now. you get this big and this quality because it's HDR 10 which means every pixel is exactly the color you need it to be and so you want that pixel pointed directly at your eyeballs cool yeah and then, of course, school doesn't end when you come home, at least it doesn't have to, and that's with the uh, Professor Maxwell's 4D Science and Chemistry Kit. Now, as a child of the 70s, I was the last generation to buy an actual chemistry set where you could burn down the house, and I almost did. <laughs> so, with this, you slap on the reality goggles here with the parent's smartphone in it as well, and you don't have to worry about that. It's, a, it's like a $40 deductible on your insurance more than anything else. You don't have to worry about it. And with the book as well that comes with it, the kids open it up. They look at the book and the experiments come to life. So there's no real chemicals or anything? There are chemicals, but they're the ones that don't burn down a house. Oh, well, that's not fun. Oh, come on. And this will be. And the beauty, too, is that parents are always so self-conscious about letting their kids use their smartphone. You slap it into this, you don't have to feel bad about it at all. Okay, maybe something for uh, a bigger kid. You a BlackBerry fan? This is the BlackBerry Key 2. This is a beautiful keyboard. Of course, it's the iconic keyboard that everybody loves on the BlackBerry. They made it 20% bigger without compromising the quality of it. And it's got the thumbprint reader built right into it as well. And because of it's, it's a BlackBerry, it's got your privacy and your security built into it too. But because it's also Android, it has all of those other apps that you would get with any other Android device. So if you left BlackBerry, you can come back to this iconic device. So you could say, not your parents' BlackBerry. Precisely. Yes, yes, exactly. Things have changed. Yeah, okay. We'll go back to kids' uh, stuff here. I I've got boxes and boxes of Lego in the basement that my daughter no longer plays with. We're hauling them back out because of the eBlocks Circuit Builder 120. Now you got a bunch of buttons you can push it. You want to push one of those buttons? I, I'd love to. Okay, so because it's, oh, you push that, step back, like, oh, no! It's going to go flying on you. Come on, go, go, go. go. It's going to take off. There it goes. Okay. And you got the sounds and noises <laughs> and it moves around as well. So you can bring those boxes back out again and play with this stuff all over again. They've got a bunch of different sets for you uh, as well. Um, and then, of course, 
This is sort of like a, a, a don't forget the batteries thing right here at, at the end. And this is the ESET Internet Security. You drop two grand on a laptop for your kid, you're sending that kid off to university, and they're going to be experimenting with wild, untamed Wi-Fi access points. You want your kid protected, not infected. And the beauty of this is that it's a sort of a set it and forget it sort of scenario. You plug it in to your software. It's Mac, Windows, as well as Android compatible. And then you don't have to worry about it. It also doesn't interfere with video games like a lot of them do. And it's the kind of thing where you don't want to forget to include this when you ship your kid off to school. It's not expensive. It's an annual subscription. It's awesome. You just plug it right in and away you go. But like you say, you're sending your kids off to school. You got to have a fine balance. You got the studies, you got the research, but you got to have fun too. You have to. And that's why the screen comes into play. It's great for video games and, and Netflix. All of this sort of stuff. And of course, with those headphones, I don't think I'm ever going to get these headphones back. No, no. I'm keeping them on for the rest of the show, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. They're really comfortable, aren't they? And Something I, think, I didn't expect out of a pair of cans. Like absolutely that. not. Yeah. Michael, thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah, every one of your tweets, you'll be paid a million dollars for. Like Courtney or the funny thing too is that um, uh, I also have this <laughs> of all things ESET sent me internet security software and I'm like oh great awesome like how boring is that and it made me realize wait a minute I think when it comes to your your security software for your computer you want it to be boring I think you do you want it to be absolutely invisible too yes right so I'm gonna check that out I'm gonna make sure that it is and I'll get, put that in the review as well but it's almost like a, uh, a don't forget the batteries kind of thing where mm -hmm. yeah you know junior gets a new laptop to go off to university but nobody got him the proper software to make sure that all of those Wi-Fi network access points that he is flirting with that he's properly protected uh, speaking of uh, security, have you received in the last two or three weeks uh, an email from somebody claiming to have captured you on your webcam uh, while watching porn? No, but there is a whole episode of one of those fabulous Netflix shows that gets right into that. Well, that was Dark Mirror. Right. It's right out of Dark Mirror. That's exactly what happened is that uh, you are forced to do all these things if you want to make sure that your onimus, onanistic uh, habits uh, don't get sent to everybody on your contact list. No, 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 wait a minute. Are you talking about Black Mirror or are you talking about this spam you got specifically? They're both. And it's like, hey, one came and it said, hello, loser. Uh, I understand that you like porn. You visited my site and I have somehow hijacked your contact list and I have you on webcam. And if you want me to keep this secret, you're going to have to deposit $350 in Bitcoin to this wallet account. Um so what what happens what's happening here is that they're finding mailing lists or email addresses on the dark web and then they're addressing people by name i guess they have an algorithm that does that sending these things out claiming that yes uh they do have a pixel embedded in the email so they in fact uh, do know if you've read it and if you don't do this within 48 hours or whatever deadline they have they will send a picture of you or a video of you watching porn to all the people in your contact list i think the scarier thing is what it is that you're watching not that you're in fact watching porn and in the black mirror episode it was people who were consuming child pornography yes who were being um blackmailed as a result of that consumption and at the very end of course you know spoiler alert it doesn't end well for anybody for anybody yeah exactly uh usa today had something we should put this in the show notes someplace usa today had a story on this saying uh you know <laughs> this is a big scam it's usually coming out of some place in eastern 
Europe. And uh, one guy, $50,000 in a week from people who were panicking because, oh my God, they have picture of me watch, uh, video of me watching porn. Can we change the topic? Yeah, just... let's change it. It's, that's, a bit, that's a bit heavy. How jazzed are you that Patrick Stewart is coming out of Star Trek retirement to reprise the role of Jean-Luc Picard? Very. Um, he is my second favorite captain because I am, of course, uh, friends with William Shatner, so I have to fly that particular flag. But this is really cool. Wow! And th- Name drop or what? I know, I know. This this came out of the blue over the weekend. I had absolutely no idea that this was happening. I And again, it's going to be on the CBS Online Network. Um, I guess Star Trek, what's it called? Discovery? Yeah, the current one is Discovery. Discovery, yeah. So uh, I haven't quite finished uh, that one yet. But uh, having him come back post, in an era post-TNG. So it's after... Everything we saw with him on the Enterprise 1705D or E or I don't know how many they destroyed. Did you say 1705? What did I say? 1705? You know what I meant. (laughs) Wait a minute. You're the Star Trek nerd. I'm the Star Wars guy, and I'm correcting you? 1703. One, isn't it? 1701. Wow. You need to up the medication, old man. No, you know what? You see this? This is a glass of J-Lore Red from... Uh, <laughs> no excuse. This martini is empty. My sister <laughs> my sister is visiting with my parents this weekend, and um, the only way that I can keep everybody occupied is uh, to keep pouring alcohol. Wait a minute. So This what? is the sister who um, encouraged you to consume cannabis. Yes. Why are you consuming alcohol? Because my parents are here. Oh, okay. oh they don't know. No. Ah, okay. All right. No, and they have no idea what a podcast is. <laughs> so we're safe. We can talk about them all we want. So anyway, I the only way to keep my my my, uh, my sanity and to keep my visitors uh, in line is to keep pouring alcohol. My dad's gone through two bottles of Beatty's vodka. I would have thought, considering it was your father, would have been Labatt's 50. No, no, no. Dad likes a vodka and Diet Coke now. That's his new drink. Um, I went to the LCBO to get some wine from my mom. I talked to the clerk and I said, "My, I need a really sweet, blushy sort of wine. And she looks at me with pity in her eyes and she goes, oh, your mom's coming to visit, isn't she? <laughs> I said, yes. You know, he, she believes that only wines with a sweetness of three are worth drinking. And she goes, yeah, we've changed our, our scale now. You're looking for what's called an 18. So try this. So it was some... I don't know. Cotton candy was, in fact, the, I think the wine was called cotton candy. And I said, "This is fine, but I need something that comes in a larger bottle than you know, seven hundred and fifty mils." Because my mom has these things at home. She calls freshy. What do you have in a box? Wait. So they <laughs> at home and in, in in Manitoba they come in these two liter bottles, and it's slightly carbonated, about seven percent alcohol, and she's really happy because she can drink a whole thing in a day. It, there's nothing like that in Ontario. So, I, you know, I explained what it was all about. She goes, ah, you want something from the ready-to-drink section. <laughs> but wine isn't. <laughs> there's this this, this bag, this bladder. It was a, it was a bladder of wine. It was a bladder of wine <laughs> called Girls' Night Out. And it's uh, <gasps> and not your mom's getting white girl wasted. Oh, I know. How old is she? 82. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is my 
So she has this 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 concoction with its own spigot, uh, some sort of peach <laughs> and, and raspberry flavor, and it, it weighed you know it, the, this this giant bladder was like twelve dollars. So I'm okay, that's probably what she wants. So I. I I took it to the counter. You lugged it to the counter. I lugged it to the counter. I had a, a bottle of vodka and a bottle of rye from because I wasn't really sure which one he wanted. So I had a, a nice bottle of Beatty's vodka and I had a bottle of Northern Harvest Crown Royal. And then I had this bladder of of, <laughs> of whatever and then a bottle of uh, no of this cotton candy wine. So the woman looks at me and she goes, "Would you like everything in the same bag?" I said, "No, could you please put them in separate bags?" And she looks at me and she says, would you like a bag for your head? <laughs> wow. So Patrick Stewart. No, wait, I'm not finished. Oh, wow. So mom, <laughs> mom finished, mom finished her. had a lot of wine. She finished her cotton candy, a 750 mil bottle of cotton candy. And she's gone through her three liters, three liters of girls night out. And we had to go to the LC again today to get another 1.5 liter bottle uh, because they, they didn't have the bladders. So, um. As we speak, Mum is on the back patio, um, splayed out on the floor. <laughs> as Dad is drinking his his vodka and Diet Coke, yes, yeah, definitely a far cry from Earl Grey hot. Uh, exactly. Over at uh, Cinemasins, which is my new favorite YouTube channel, uh, they actually pointed out that as happy as they were to see Picard back, they don't want to have anything to do with this unless. Guinan is back, which sort of ties full circle to a bladder of wine that comes in spigot form. The Guinan character was never properly resolved with Star Trek Next Generation, even through the movies, because we don't know how Picard met her. And there were a number of hints dropped. You know, do you remember the time that we met? Uh, what Guinan's connection to Picard is because it's more than just her being a bartender on 10 Forward. Now you have to get help. Guinan needs medical attention. I promise you she will be attended to. And there is a bill to be settled at Mrs. Carmichael's boarding house. I'll settle it. Thank you. I wish, I wish time would have allowed me to know you better. Well, you just have to read my books. What I am is pretty much there. <laughs> I'll see you in 500 years, Picard. And I'll see you in a few minutes. So maybe, and I, and I agree with, with this website, this YouTube channel, that we need to explore what that relationship is. I don't really know if we need to see any of the other characters. I mean, Brent Spiner, he's going to have aged as Data. That'll just look weird. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's the problem with Data because he's not supposed – he's an android. So you can't, you know, get him, let him, let him age. What, though, if, if in fact he was a version 2.0? Android, where they recognize that the uncanny valley is not just a problem on first blush. And for those unfamiliar with the term uncanny valley, the idea is, is that you can graph the brain's acceptance of something that is human-like. And the closer you get 
to human-like, the deeper into the valley you go on the acceptance of it, because your brain just can't wrap its head around what's wrong with it. And then you come out the other side when either you simply build androids that are clearly not human, and your brain goes, no, that's not a real thing, or they become to the point where they're so incredibly realistic that your brain can't tell. But because of that point that it would be weird if you knew an android for 30 years and it never aged, maybe it would actually be part of the user experience to ensure that they did have some sort of aging mechanism built in. Okay, so the last Star Trek Next Generation movie was... Was it Nemesis? His last film was 2002 Star Trek Nemesis. Yes. Okay. So that was 2002. Okay. So assuming things operate in real time, that's uh, 16 years ago. So what would have happened to Picard in that interim? Would he have become an admiral? Would he have, I don't know. Well, how, how do we even know that he's still actually within Starfleet Academy? Well, we or don't. Starfleet. We, we, we have no idea. Is, is he back at the Academy as a professor? Is he called out of retirement to do something? Now, what do you want to see? Because I, I was a Star Trek fan because of Next Generation. I never really watched the original series. I was yo so young that when I was homesick as a child and it was on, it scared me too much to watch it. Same thing for yeah. Doctor Who, which, by the way, I'm desperately looking forward to seeing with the female Doctor. Yeah. All of this is new to me. New faces. New worlds. New times. So if I asked really, really nicely, would you be my new best friends? Right. This is going to be fun. What would I want to see? I don't know. D does the Borg come back? I'm bored with the Borg, aren't you? Well, I don't know. Be that was one of the most interesting storylines with Picard is his relationship with the Borg. Sure. But he did, you know, the Borg Queen was wiped out, so that shouldn't be an issue. That, that was an insurrection, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, no, it wasn't. Where was that? Wow. Um, we we we, we got to call Derek Dresser to the bridge. We we really do because I've completely yeah. lost. Over at geeksandbeats.com we got a full write-up of this. Or at least we will by the time this podcast airs. Derek is working feverishly behind the scenes on a detailed story for us. Meantime, Derek Dresser has already turned in his article this week on the big show. Die Hard turns 30 this month. How old do you feel now? No kidding. Wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. Story of my life. I haven't actually watched Die Hard for quite some time. And now that Bruce Willis has come out and said whether or not it's a Christmas movie, I'm going to have to go back and have another look at it. 30 years ago, I was just getting my start in radio as a 17-year-old working overnights. And at the time, uh, the evening DJ named Bill Hayes said to me the first time he met me, he said, you look a lot like the villain from Die Hard, Alan Rickman. Yeah, I was about to say, really? <laughs> yeah. And I went, I hadn't seen the film. I'm like, oh, okay, great, thanks. And then I go see the movie. I'm like, oh, so that's what I'm going to look like in 20 years. 
And yeah. it's not that far off. I gotta confess. Yeah. Well, and he's dead, so you don't want to go. Well, you don't now go I that win. Is what it comes down to. Yeah. Okay. All okay. right. But uh, so I- I'm sorry. Bruce Willis came forward and told us whether or not the movie that came out on Christmas 30 years ago was in fact a Christmas movie. Well, it actually didn't even come out 30 years ago at Christmas, but it was set at Christmas. Right. So Christmas movie. Hang on. I'm looking it up because he did have a comment on this not that long ago. One moment, please. Bruce Willis says Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. This is according to IndieWire. And uh, this has been a big debate for quite some time. If you've literally ever seen Die Hard referenced online or by a certain movie buff out of the wild, you're no doubt familiar with the argument that it's not only a Christmas movie, but one of the best of its kind. During his Comedy Central roast the other night, Bruce Willis set the record straight by saying that the beloved action flick isn't a Christmas movie, it's a Bruce Willis movie. Well, aren't they all? Yeah. Are you surprised, Bruce Willis? Yes. Yes, I knew he would be. I mean, even though I went over everything yesterday, I knew he'd forget. (laughs) So, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Demi Moore. I was married to Bruce Willis for the first three Die Hard movies, which makes sense because the last two sucked. After all these years, I have to say, you know what? You look good. I mean, you still look the same from the eyebrows up. But we had some great times together. I mean, we shared a lot. I had three beautiful, amazing children. Four if you count Bruce. And then there's the dogs and Ashton, so it's like six, but you know. (laughs) I mean, so. And of course, you know, like we did argue over the kids' names. And in the end, Bruce won. That's how they got stuck with Willis. <laughs> but I have to say, our daughters are incredibly well adjusted, considering two of them are half Bruce Willis. <laughs> but let me just say, he is a great father. I mean, seriously. I mean, every Christmas, Right after he would have the girls go make him his special coffee with medicine. I mean, he would come down the chimney in the wife beater t-shirt, waving that gun saying, yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers! And then, I mean, that's what he's always called them. And they just, they just love his taglines. Die Hard, though, had been in development for about nine years in Hollywood, according to Dresser. Uh, he writes at geeksandbeats.com that the movie was inspired by the book Nothing Lasts Forever, which was itself a sequel to an earlier film uh, book that uh, Roderick Thorpe had written called The Detective, which became a 1968 Frank Sinatra film, which would see Sinatra playing what would become the John McClane character. My God. I think I'm going to be sick. No, you're not. You're going to tense your muscles and get out the notebook. Male Caucasian, lying nude on floor. Left side of skull crushed. By the way, do you know why, and we, we see it a lot with the Die Hard movies, do you know why all skyscrapers in Los Angeles have flat tops? Why do all skyscrapers in Los Angeles have flat tops? Because after an earthquake somewhere, and it might have been in Brazil, it was decided that you needed flat tops on er, on buildings so that when the big one hits Los Angeles, you'll be able to evacuate people from the upper floors via helicopters. That was a terrible joke. It's not a joke. It's 
Oh, you set it up like a joke. I thought there was a no, 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 no. That's the truth. Now they've since overturned that particular bylaw, but that's why if you look at all the shots of the downtown Los Angeles skyline, why all the buildings seem cut off at the top, including the diehard building. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. Dude, I'm really hoping this national media tour we're doing draws new listeners into the big show and perhaps new members of the world's worst intern program. Uh, or we're doing well listen it is summertime a lot of people are away I'm looking at my own personal website journalofmusicalthings.com and uh, traffic is, is, is way down we want to say thank you very much Jason Bierke for being a long time member of the world's worst intern program it makes it the worst by actually you having to pay us to work on the show and you don't do any actual work we just say thank you Jason uh, your uh, generosity over the uh, time that you've been with us has been greatly appreciated Michael Rosario uh, edited his Patreon account uh, down to two bucks from 25 his generosity just tremendous. Thank you so much for being a co-producer on the big show with that $25 donation. And now down to two bucks an episode. And uh, yes, Dean Kelly, former co-producer of the world's most popular podcast, has finally recognized that um, 25 bucks goes a long way for us. He's reduced his pledge with his lifetime support of $25. <laughs> so I don't know how this works with Patreon, but we went from dinging his credit card 25 bucks for three or four straight episodes. Now he's put a $25 limit with a current pledge of two bucks. So I don't know if that means that we don't get in any of the other money he's already sent us. Probably does we do. But from this point forward, I think we've got him for basically eight episodes. Uh, are we done with that? Because... I have a couple of questions about some related things. Hook me up. Okay. Uh, how are we doing with the live broadcast setup? Ooh, things are coming along. I uh, put out a photo on the Instagram and the Twitter account uh, showing off the lighting test we had done. Uh, good news, bad news. Good news is, is I've managed to figure out the lighting so that we don't look just horrific as the sun goes down and it ends up being that you can't see us on my back deck. And two, the bad news is, is that I'm going to have to raise the cameras because I don't think people want a head on crotch shot. <laughs> no, I don't. Please, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna adjust the cameras. Um, a, a longtime friend of the show, Sean Jate, is going to be the director on the big show, which is uh, great news because technically the man's a maestro. He's going to be able to handle all the stuff for us behind the scenes with our co with our producer uh, Vanessa Azoli, who's going to be handling the editorial side of things. Uh, we uh, are uh, going to probably have a five camera shoot by the time all is said and done. Okay, five? Five cameras. We've got your camera, we've got my camera, we've got guest one, guest two, wide shot, and, oh, sorry, six cameras. We're going to have a wireless handheld camera that's going to act like a jib shot, so that's six. So, okay, so this is going to be done live. Who's going to be switching from camera to camera? That's going to be Sean. We have a switcher? We do. We have. The, I'm building the hardware necessary as we speak. As a matter of fact, before the big show started, I just grabbed off the Intertron for $197, an Elgato Stream Deck console. It's a 15-button LCD display screen that allows you to switch from camera source to camera source, trigger sound effects, trigger animations, do all sorts of fun stuff like that. 
So are we recording this? And no, will no, it be no, no. It is live. There will be no safety nets. We are flying oh. without a net. If that's All right, but are are we recording it? The audio for? Oh yeah, then we'll just strip off the video because who really, at the end of the day, truly wants to see us? And, and the audio, the video will not be available on a, on a YouTube oh, no, channel we'll or anything. On, like we'll that? put it on the Geeks and Beats okay. YouTube channel. We'll put it put it on the Facebook page as well, so it'll all be there. So you can actually see how the sausages are made, and of course you can watch us because we've got a great lineup of guests already. Ed the sock back from our youth to fight the stupid as he says. Um, so he's, he's decided, listen, I can't handle this 21st century. Everybody's feelings are hurt over every single thing. So this Canadian uh, 90s icon is coming back. Brittle Star, the Internet's favorite dad and Canadian video viral sensation, uh, Stuart Reynolds will be joining us. Uh, his alter ego being Brittle Star. I don't know if we need a phone booth so we can switch between the two. Uh, and we will have local celebrity chef from Burlington, Ontario, Chef Mike Benninger. All right. Are, do you have a green room set up? It's going to be my living room. Okay. Um, the control room is going to be the dining room. Uh-huh. Of course, we need the kitchen for Chef Mike Benninger. He's got a fabulous plan for uh, some real slow-cooked ribs, a nice summer salad, and a special, as he called it, chocolate surprise. How long do you think this show is going to go on? Well, usually you and I chat for about, what, 30 to 40 minutes per episode. I think this thing's going to go 90 yeah, I think it is. Yeah. And it'll be very interesting to watch the audience come in and go. The, yeah, the audience, yes. Three people, two people, four people, one person. It's it's a grand experiment. We're doing it not for the audience or the traffic. No, we're, we're doing totally to see doing if we can actually do it. No, we are, are doing we? it for the audience because people have said they would like to see us make the sausages. The only thing is, is that this is a far cry from how we actually make the sausages. Like most people don't know that I'm sitting here wearing eyeglasses at the moment. All right. So our, our oh God, we have to talk about things like wardrobe and makeup. Oh, dude, we need a technical rehearsal. We also need a dress rehearsal. So you don't need to show up for the technical rehearsal. That's Sean and me. Uh, but for the dress rehearsal, you need to know where to look. You need to know what we're going to do. I do. Vanessa needs to join us as well so she can help uh, on, that, on this front as well. We also have another guest uh, who is a musical guest that I'm not prepared yet to really say anything more about but it, okay. uh, there, there's going to be news on this real soon all right uh next question um should be the final question because we're boring people well I, I i understand but but you got an email uh on the weekend yeah, do we want to yeah, talk no no do, no we can't talk okay about that. all right no. so we, we can't talk about the email not yet no. No. Okay. We'll talk about it soon, I hope. But I want you to leave this part in because we got an email that is absolutely like you've got to be kidding. Yes. And it could lead to something. I'm hoping it could lead to something really big. <laughs> stupidly big. Or we, we could spend the rest of our lives in the poorhouse. Yeah, or in jail, yes, as we're sued, sued out of existence. Yes. So, um, okay. I don't think that's uh, going to happen. I though. did. I, I, I don't think so either. I don't think that. I don't think we're in any kind of trouble. Well, we could be in some trouble. Well, how? <laughs> how about we stay tuned to find out? And we can't. We okay, okay, fine. We won't talk anymore Stop about it. Stop talking. All right, all right. It's just that. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes, and watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code three two three three nineteen nerd. 
Follow the stories on Twitter, Facebook, and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.